Welcome to TSG Talk. TSG Talk aims to contribute positively towards the care of an injured casualty or vulnerable patient. If your goal is to maximise your input for the people you care for, then TSG Talk is for you. Our podcast will interview colleagues who are at the cutting edge of their professions. Often they're involved in creating solutions for areas that historically have proven difficult or have a wealth of experience in a particular complex response. Each podcast will provide unique, engaging content. At TSG Associates, we will always strive to ensure our solutions are ahead of the curve and positively impact on the quest for prioritising survival and minimising suffering. We believe TSG Talk will complement our vision and provide a platform to enhance your response. It is my pleasure to now pass you across to our host, Senior Partner at TSG, Colin Smart. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of our podcast, TSG Talk. Tonight's subject is how I saved my dad's life. This evening, we have a truly outstanding story of how Henry 13 saved his dad's life, Jules, in a complex time-critical scenario. Saving a life is often achieved by implementing a series of tasks and creating a chain of survival. And tonight, we will learn how an, e- how an evening run with his dad turned into a life-saving experience. So good evening, Henry and Jules. It's fantastic to get you on our TSG Talk podcast. Just just to um, in- introduce to what happened that night, could, could you just tell our listeners a little bit about actually what happened on the evening, uh, just, just to set, set the scene? Yes, so Henry and I had started and were doing quite often the Couch to 5K. And so we've been running regularly three times a week and it was generally Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. And so as normal, after a long day at work, uh, we started, I went to see Henry about six o'clock and said, let's go for a run. And at that point, Henry said he didn't really feel like going for a run. Um, so I was going to go on my own. And fortunately, at the very last minute, Henry decided he was going to come along. So he then went and got changed. And we left home, went down the drive and went off up into the woods at the back of the house, where we normally do a warm-up walk to get us up to speed. And then when we hit the flats up by the tops of the quarries at the top of the hills, we then start running around an area, which is a fairly isolated area, but near to Henry's rugby club as well. So we started to go and do that run, went up to the top. And at that point, I turned to Henry apparently and said, I don't feel very well. I think I'm going to fall over. And that's probably more than I could even remember anyway. So I will let Henry carry on. So once he said that he didn't feel well, he immediately collapsed about half a second later unconscious on the ground so in my head I was alarm bells were ringing so uh, the first thing I did was I, I ran to him to try and find out what had gone wrong had somebody just shot him <laughs> or had somebody um, or had he just fainted I didn't know so I um, I noticed he wasn't breathing right and I decided that I needed to get an ambulance here quick and I needed to start CPR, so I got his phone out and I called 999, asked for an ambulance, and they told me to do CPR while the ambulance came. So I was doing CPR for about five minutes until a jogger came by. Uh, the jogger immediately ran to me after he saw me, asked what he could do. Um, he, um, he said that he was told to go and get a defibrillator at the Brods, where, at the rubber club, which I play at. And he was about to do that, uh, 
he didn't know where it was, so I went off to do it. I said I'd go and went to would be good to get the um, defibrillator. So I ran off to get the defibrillator, and on my way I found an ambulance. Um, I showed him where he was, and and then uh, they carried on. So there we go. Fantastic. Uh, I I think what I, I remember when um, both yourself and your dad told me the story of what had happened and um, what what I was incredibly in, impressed with is is how many tasks you did with, with within the, the the scenario you were dealing with because if you'd only just done CPR it probably wouldn't have been enough but the fact that you did a really good assessment you made a, made him an, an immediate phone call to the ambulance service you you did effective CPR. Um, then you managed to brief a jogger on exactly what was going on. And then you headed off to get a defibrillator. And then you managed to direct an ambulance into where you're going. That ability to multitask and put everything together. And what we would call in the trade, establishing a chain of survival. So you put in all very strong links in. Um, it's, it's absolutely outstanding. And and certainly when when yourself and your dad told me the story that's the thing that struck me of how you managed to pull all those individual bits together under extreme stress um what what, what did you feel like, like at the time when you were doing it did did you feel in control or was it just just is yeah. it always, always interesting to understand how, how you were feeling and when you're reacting well you, at the time i didn't know what was going wrong really i just knew he wasn't breathing right and i was told to do cpr uh, so I I was feeling pretty scared, pretty frightened. I was scared that I'd lose my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty, um, and I was quite scared actually. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that that's really interesting to uh, to, to to understand that the you know the sort of emotion that that you were going through. Uh, that was probably driving all the good decisions you made as well. So, you know, we've said it before, but and again, you, you did such an amazing job that, that evening and you, you should be so proud of, of what you did. It, it Truly outstanding what, what you did. So, you know, we've said it before, but I don't think we can say it enough. You know, incredibly good job and, and well done. Um, so just when you, you think about the scenario that you went through, if if any of your friends were to be, in, in something similar, is, is there any advice you would give them on 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 what you learned from it at all? Don't think too much. Okay. Uh-huh. Too much. Uh, you don't. You start thinking if something goes wrong, might I be responsible, or mm-hmm. might might it might have I caused this, or something like that? And people then just go into panic mode, and sometimes they run away, and mm-hmm. they just cannot cope. Mm-hmm. They, person on the ground. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think think that's excellent advice. Um, and, and Jules, just thinking about the the, the wider issue of um, you know CPR training in the community. What what would be your thoughts on it? Obviously, you know you've come out and you, you've been a, an incredibly good recipient of of Henry being. I think Henry, were you taught CPR at school? Was was that correct? I was taught CPR at school, clubs, and at uh, super depth. Okay, so it's something you know you so, so you had that education to do. But what what would be your thoughts on the sort of the wider education of trying to get it in more into the community? Any any thoughts on that at all? Well, I, th- I think what you've got is is that uh, at the moment it's it's now becoming mandatory to be trained in schools. Um, that was put in, I think, at the end of last year. 
which in itself is a pretty good thing to do. And Henry, Henry did it before that was done at school. One of the other parents at school was doing her GP training. And we, and they, the brief they were given is that survival rates, I think, in Denmark from out-of-hospital cardiac arrests are about 25%, whereas in the UK it's between 5 and 10%, and probably, depending where you are, towards the lower edge of the 5%. And she wanted to understand why. And the reason the difference was, was that in Denmark, they teach it at school and they teach it regularly to refresh, refresh people as well. So what you've got is that familiarity with CPR drives the survivability rate because you've got, you can do it instantly, do it straight away and do it properly. And, and they don't seem to have to suddenly panic and wonder about what to do. And so that's why the lady did it in Henry's school is because she thought it was a good thing to do to start at that little stage. And got the other parents in who's a, who's a nurse as well to help. And because that's where Henry first started it. And I, I think Henry's view as well, what you think of, so he did it at school first, then he did it in Cubs, and then he also did it in Sea Cadets. And mm. it's one of those things, that, you know, if you're a GP, you get trained, you have to practice it every six months. Um, other, other medics do it every 12 months, I think it's, I'm not sure. But, and that's the proof that you need to be, keep up on it. It's no good learning it five years ago and not doing it since. And I think those things really help my survivability. You know, if you look at that, you know, and and so does the whole chain forward, you know, as well. You know, the the when we had two ambulances turn up, the air ambulance, and then we went to A and E straight into ICU, ICU for a week, then to the cardiac ward, and all those people in themselves. But if it wasn't for those initial ten minutes, ten fifteen minutes that Henry did, and also with the other jogger as well, then it wouldn't have been a success story because those that's the underlying foundations of any sort of process you operate and you have to be okay with that and the more people you can train to do that and the wider take up you've got the better it is you know and people like the bridge heart foundation do heart start day which the ambulance services support as well so i think that was two weeks ago that happened so that's the, the benefit of it and people really need to step up and look at it i think that you know what you're saying just makes so much sense and um i i think what i picked up from that as well is that it's 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 okay being trained in it once, but you know there you, you've got to realise that it's something it, it needs to be topped up on a, on a regular regular basis. And I know in sort of pre-hospital care, the area that we're heavily involved in, you know, we look at skill degradation a lot, and we're always questioning how often we have to refresh certain specific skills. And, and I think one of the important things you brought up there, if, if we're going to have a, a CBR CPR program uh, nationally then it just can't be train you once and, and don't do it again. It's got to be something we continually do. So when it does get used, then the, the knowledge is, 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 as, is as fresh as possible when it has, has to be implemented. I think that's important. The other thing I found really interesting, what you said, Jules, was uh, how all the different links of the health service kicked in. Um, obviously, started so importantly from the, the work that Henry did. Because without that, nothing real, no, nothing else would have been successful. Then we had early access to defibrillators, early access to accident emergency, straight into the cardiac unit, straight to definitive care. So it was a very, very strong chain that was put in place. And any one of those links missing, you know, the outcome wouldn't be as good. But you're absolutely right. Without that first link in the chain, it doesn't matter how much resource we throw at it. We're not going to get a positive outcome from it. So it's so important that that first link is is actually there. So I think a couple of really important points you brought out. So Jules, just um, I mean, how have you recovered? Is, um, are, are you 
are you normal or <laughs> is that a fair question to work out first and then see where the is from yeah um, personally no i i mean i think it's it's one of those strange things I, i've got people at work who i work they've had who've had heart attacks and that's a, a different picture whereas a cardiac arrest which this is it everything just turned off you know and unfortunately because of henry being as quick as he was then nothing degraded, you know, and, and he kept the blood, blood circulating and it's fine. So as far as I see, I think I've come out of it, it pretty well, actually. I don't feel any worse off than I was before. Uh, I think other people might comment differently, but uh, I, I don't feel any different. I feel as healthy as I was. It's probably not good because it didn't feel it would happen before the healthy, but um, I was feel as healthy as I was and certainly no, no lack of being able to do anything else. And, you know, as I say, the, the, the the cover which the hospital did, you know, I've now got an ICD, an intercardiac device, internal cardiac device, which is a defib effectively. Um, we'll we'll operate for years, you know. So I think I'm pretty much better than the position I probably was before now because of it. Uh, that, that's absolutely fantastic to hear, and you know, and uh, everything, you know, we try to do in, in pre-hospital care and, and uh, emergency care is it's all about trying to get a very positive outcome from everything we're doing, and, and I think you're just living proof that if we get this right. You know, we don't just get survivability, we get absolute quality of life as well. And and that's that's so important that when we see the system work, that we get the output. So that, that's fantastic to hear. Um, Henry, so I understand you've become a little bit of a celebrity um, over the last couple of months and you've been nominated for a couple of awards and you've been on television. Could you just um, tell us a little bit about what, what, what you've been up to? So I was in a newspaper in... Um... March, I think, April, April. Uh, about it, and then a couple of um, other news yeah. news articles picked up on it, and the BBC, ITV picked up on it, so I've been on telly three times, uh, been answering questions like this, and it's all because I want to promote CPR um, to make it, make people learn it, people like my dad survive more often rather than people dying in hospital. I've also had to um have had an award from the BH uh, the British Heart Foundation. I've been uh, given the given the award Heart Start Award and that's also brought a bit of publicity with it as well. So I'm a bit of a celebrity at the moment. Fantastic. It's great to hear and and you know so well deserved as well. But I I think what I pick up from that, Henry, and, and I think it's really important. Um, you, you did an amazing job that evening. But what you're also doing is you're leaving a legacy uh, where, you know, by being able to, to, to you know, publicise what you did, more people are learning about it, being made aware of it. And, and who knows, that could actually equal another positive outcome somewhere down the line. So the fact that you, you are able to tell more people about it you know, leaving that legacy of why it's so important and getting it out into the public space. You know, again, that's vastly contributing to to a really strong first response uh, nationally. So again, something you be you should be super proud of. Fantastic, and uh, as, once again, well well done. Right, so so, I think one of, one of the things, sorry, Colin, people no. say, I think they say is eighty percent of out of hospital cardiac arrests actually take place in the home, and so there's an incredibly high number which. It's pretty obvious that, you know, unless you live on your own, um, that most of the time it will be a family member who who needs your support, you know, when it, when it happens, you know, because it's in the home. And, and that, I think, is an even bigger burden is the fact that 
if you've not been taught it and it's a family member, then what do you do? You know, and and it's the fact that it could be anybody who's with them as well. I think that's the, the a very important part of this as well. And we noticed when we were on holiday earlier on this year, um, after this, obviously, and we, we don't talk about it much, you know, other than on telly and stuff. But um, in terms of to some of the people, I know one of the chaps asked a question, we responded to what had gone on. And he was a doctor. Um, and I think the next day he got his children together and taught them CPR mm. after, after having heard Henry's story. Because mm-hmm. it's one of those things I don't think you, you kind of wonder at what age, what age would I teach my child CPR when they're mm-hmm. 16, when they're 21, um, mm-hmm. when they need it. You, but it's a question you just don't know. If you'd have asked me this time last year, do you think Henry's going to ever save your life? No. He's probably going to shorten it by a lot of things. <laughs> but certainly you, you wouldn't have thought that, you know, and, you know, happy as Larry, you feel fit as a fiddle, and suddenly, bang, off it goes, and he's with me at the time. And I would never have thought he, he would have had to do that, or, I'd, or I would have to put him through that, I think, is the other question. Mm-hmm. And, and so it is very important that people learn it for that very reason. Yeah, no, and the, I mean, I think the other thing that comes out of the story is that it shows that if you do it correctly and, and you put the right links in place and, and you make the right decisions, then it's it's incredibly successful. You know, you you get a really good result. I mean, we're always a bit objective in, in, when, we, when, when we're looking at um, procedures in, in, in medicine, you know, because we, we want something to come out from it. Uh, and, and there's a huge personal side to that as well that we always understand. But the fact that people can see if I learn this, that I know it can work and I can make a difference. I think that's important. And I think you're getting that message out incredibly well, which, which is so important, you know, that this is not just something we do and it's futile. If you do this correctly, there's a good chance, a significant chance of, of increased success, which I think is very, very important. Now, that, that, that's, uh, that's, that's fantastically interesting. Just, just, just to finish off then. So. I suppose putting a question to to both of you, if there were a couple of points from the whole experience that you could tell our listeners what you got from it, that that could maybe enhance their response in the future. Is there anything specifically you'd pick up from the experience that that you could pass on? Very frightening. Um, It's incredibly rewarding. It can also be something that can also cause a lot of terror. You You don't really understand it. One of the things I found out was on the night it happened, I was much calmer than the day after. You think you can control yourself in a situation like that, but you can't. Yeah, and you, you know when you when you say you're frightened, that that's not that that's not detrimental. That's called being a human being, and uh, anybody that goes through a crisis scenario is frightened. And that's just a perfect normal human reaction. So I don't, I don't think you should ever take that. And I'm sure you don't should ever take that as a negative thing. You know, that that's just called being a human being. And the way you, you harness that to get your positive results was, was absolutely fantastic. Jules, was there anything you would pick out from it at all that, that you, that you could, you could pass on? I think a few things really. One, one is the, you know, had, had the ambulance crews not been as close, I think in many respects, I mean, I mean, you know, we met the ambulance crews a couple of weeks ago, Henry and I, over at um, the Yorkshire Ambulance place over in Nostal Priory, and we met them. And it was very interesting to see their side of it as well, on how they view it. I, I think the thing was that the thing that helped is the fact that Henry was on his way to our rugby club where they have a defibrillator. And not only that, that was registered on the register, because that's as, is very important as well, is that we have a, regist- a record of where they all are, because that helps the emergency services 
and it, and it's we're trying to get to a point. I know I know where all the ones locally to to us are, uh, and therefore that helps a lot. I think in in terms of, of where they are, but we still need more. And I think that's the, the positive thing. But he knew where to go if he had to. But he flagged the, the on, on his way down to pick it up. The ambulance was coming up the track the other way, so he would have still got it and come back with it had the ambulance not beaten him to it. And, and that's a very positive, I think. And I think if you look, I think I think my discharge record said something like fifteen minutes of of kind of flash to bang. I think really that I was under CPR for. That's what that's what the the, the discharge notes said. So that's quite a long time, you know. But other people do it for a lot longer. Yeah, and that's all because of getting defibs, getting people around and knowing who's around. And again, they don't all happen in, in the middle of a football stadium on the football pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, with five thousand people there. They they happen when you're on your own. Uh, and I think that's the, the, the worrying thing for Henry. But he stayed calm because he knew what he was doing. You know, and as he said, you know, that he stayed calm because he knew what to do. He was scared, you know. But the ambulance crew, I think it was the lady from the air ambulance who said that what surprised them about it was how calm Henry was. And then he just got on with stuff. And he, he was helping them when they were there, even to the point where when we were out and, and all this was going on, once the ambulances got there, he then rang his mum up. And he didn't even tell her what was going on properly anyway. He rang her up and just said, Dad's fallen over. You might want to come up to the rugby club. And obviously, you know, Jackie just thought, oh, he's tripped over a rock or something, you know. And that's all Henry did because he didn't want to spook her for a drive, you know, coming to coming to where he was, you know. And she then turned up to see the air ambulance landing and two ambulances blue lighting at the time. So she kind of thought it's a bit more than a sprained ankle, which is where it is. But again, that's because of him being calm and assessing the situation. So I, I suppose a simple question for you, Jules, on a scale of one to ten, how proud are you of Henry? Uh, probably about 15, I would have thought. Actually. Yeah. I think that's a fair one. Yeah, uh, you you must be in, incredibly proud uh, of of one the actions and and the the way he just conducted himself. It, it's it's honestly it's truly outstanding. Credit to both of you. It's it's you know for for everything. Uh, no, look, what a fantastic story. Uh, what a wonderful outcome. It's you know from my point, although we're we're doing the podcast interview, Jules is a friend of mine as well. So it's a great outcome for me. I still have Jules as a friend. So it is, uh, you know, it's it's such a positive story. There's so many, I think, really significant learning points we can bring from from it that I think we, we've we've covered quite well. But I think just just to really cap off, just to say once more to Henry, look, you did an incredible job that night. You've you've managed to communicate how what you did that night, but also the feelings that you had, because being able to understand how you felt the night, but still take actions on it is, is incredibly commendable. So, you know, we're, we're all super proud of you and you, you did a great job. So th- thank you for your time tonight. So that, that really concludes it for this evening. Uh, it has been an absolutely wonderful story. If you would like to ask any questions um, on this particular post, please go to our LinkedIn page at TSG Associates or our website at tsgassociates.co.uk post any questions there and uh, we, we'll get back to you as, as soon as possible so thank you for listening once again and we will be back soon we will be back soon with another new unique subject and colleague in, in our specific areas thank you and good evening thank you for taking the time to listen to this edition of tsg talk we hope you found the content of benefit should you have any questions or require additional information please visit tsgassociates.co.uk